me a guitar. I'm going to keep playing this. Here's my sitar. What? <laughs> is this going to end? What is this? <laughs> it usually ends by now. Hang on a second. <laughs> Are you in like an infinite Hadushabad loop? Uh, this one's 51 seconds. You know how to turn this off? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so is it is it replicating? I mean, is, I, you know, did you hit the wrong one? Or? I must have more than one version of that. Okay. So, hey, welcome to uh, a very special edition, oh. because we had the whole 51-second intro for yeah. you. Yeah, we don't flop that out on every yeah. episode, my we're, friend. We're not just going to just do that one. No. Uh, coming up later in this show, we're very excited. we got an actual rock star on the show today. A bonafide, well-known rock star. Yep. Uh, Carl Giamarisi from the band The Buckinghams. They had a slew of hits in the mid-60s. Number one. They had a number one hit. Yeah, they did. Uh, but we'll tell you more about that as uh, when we get uh, Carl on. Uh, but first, we had a very exciting week. You know, Rick, we uh, we <laughs> you know we spent a little time with the owner of the Chicago Cubs on Monday. Kind of well, hung out. Let me just uh, set the stage, all right? Because uh, a buddy of ours uh, knows Tom Ricketts, Bruce Malter, a yes. college buddy of ours. And Bruce said that uh, he mentioned my book, Every Cub Ever, to Mister Ricketts. Mm -hmm. And he, Rickett said, next time he's at the Cubs game, I'd like to meet him yeah, right. and, you know, bring the book. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you the whole discussion about what we had about the book or whatever. But um, so Dave and I went to the game on Monday night and uh, we were sitting in our seats mm -hmm. in the second inning. Mm -hmm. Who comes up? The owner of the baseball team. The owner of the Cubs right. comes up with, with a special envelope and says I, I these are pretty good seats but would you like to sit right in, with, mine are better yeah like to sit with my yeah. and my seats we're like yeah okay yeah, sure. right yeah uh, and, and you know this doesn't sound like a real story but this really happened and then we went and we sat with tom ricketts and we watched the entire baseball game from, with him from like the third inning to and the, we just chatted yeah. and rapped and he gave us uh, the the wristbands to the 1914 club. Right, and we ate food. We had free booze. You know, the whole thing. It was unbelievable. Right, right. Um, I loved the best part of the story was you were still convinced that he was just having us to get to 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 have us arrested. Right. Because of the yeah. Cubs. Yeah. Right. Because of yeah. the book. The exactly. Copyright infringement. <laughs> Up to the point that he, actually they gave us the first beer. It's like, where are the handcuffs? Where's the lawyer? Is that the, is that guy the lawyer next to us? I did say to you, <laughs> yeah. you know what's gonna hit? We're gonna get over there and, and they're gonna, gonna cuff get, us. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> but no, he really was genuinely excited. And a, good, and a real good guy. And he yeah. uh, I loved sitting there with the owner literally right next to me. And when the Cubs didn't have quite a great ending to that game, yeah, you know, he's just like a fan, kind of, you know, being yeah. a little upset. Let, let with a your... few explosives <laughs> fly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, um, I guess it's different when you know you're paying your relief pitcher, you know, $8.7 billion that he right. just grooves one. To me, it's not that big. But then one. after the game, he took us out on the field. Yeah, we took a picture, us... right? I mean, come on. Yeah. It was, thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. And I'm going to, I've never complimented you before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I don't want you to get your head swollen or anything, but the the whole time we were sitting there, I was worried because Dave is not just a White Sox fan; he's an anti Cubs. See, fan. you know what? Yeah. I don't think I am anymore after the free booze. I think I'm, but but you're right. It was at touch any and go. moment, right? I it could have gone bad, right. and there were times where you would lean in and talk to. And then the other thing is, he kind of 
Dave kind of pushed me out of the way so he could sit next to Tom Ricketts. You mean Big T? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, while you were having your conversations with Tom, I would like try to listen in right. because I was worried at any moment yeah. you were going to turn. Uh, and, and again, it could have gone. But although I got a really nice letter from the Academy <laughs> and, I'm, and I've been actually nominated for a, a Best Actor Award, actually. Well, uh, you know, I give you credit. You never broke yeah. and you were very nice. And actually... Uh, uh, Tom Ricketts is a great guy. He's a great guy, and really appreciate. Um, you know, he's a, he. What really struck me is he really is just a fan. Yeah, he happens to be the guy who owns the team, but he really is a fan. You know? uh, my favorite story. He's telling us about uh, how he. I asked because I had heard that he met his wife in mm-hmm. the bleachers, and he's telling us a story and. Uh, how they got there late that day, and he goes, "Yeah, my knucklehead brother didn't get the seats." And I said, "Which brother? Uh, the governor of Nebraska." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's not like a big state; it's just Nebraska. <laughs> oh. But no, it was it, we, again. We appreciate it, and um, your book is doing great. Every cub ever, you can go to everycubever.com dot com. Um, or EckhartsPress.com to pick it up. And we are selling a great deal of them, and we appreciate yeah, all the support. Yeah, how about it? All the support that everybody... Um, we sold has. out. We sold out. You had a great uh, book signing at Moretti's in um, yeah. Mount Prospect. We sold out. And, so thank uh, you to everybody who's buying the book, because people are coming up, they're buying five copies, ten copies. One guy bought 16 you know, copies. Right. You know what? You people just keep around. You you, you just keep to yourselves. Your little, well, your, your little Cub fan friends all uh, hang around. Well, but I'm not. I, I'm yeah. now a big fan. Right. So, exactly. You should. You should yeah. shut your yapper <laughs> right. right now. Pal. Now that I have a financial interest, go Cubs. <laughs> I, we figured out the turning point, the the common denominator to to flip me, and that yeah. was what it was. So there. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, minutia because that's what the show's called. So yeah. before the Cub game, what did we do? Well, we 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 walk. I mean, Ooh, once we, hear, I just lip smacked. I just uh, heard the lip smack. Tony tells me that he can hear lip smacking, and I never hear it, but I just actually heard okay. a lip smack. Well, so my apologies. Be, be conscious of that. Yeah. Uh, so when we go to the baseball game, right? What yeah. you, what's one of the first things that right before the game? What happens? Uh, we had a beer. Well, and then what yeah. happens ceremonially? Uh, singing the national anthem. Exactly. Yes. You know, in America, yeah, we love singing our national anthem. Uh, right? Sure, of course. Which is really only Francis Scott Key's only hit. It was his <laughs> only hit. By, uh, yeah. But sometimes, and this happened in High Point, North Carolina. Sometimes the singer calls in sick <laughs> right before the you know right before his he has to sing. Right. So this happened in High Point, North Carolina. It was before a minor league baseball game. I have the audio. This is a game between the High Point Rockers and the Sugarland Skeeters. And listen, you got it queued up? Uh, well, it, it was queued up, but it just unqueued up, so keep talking. Okay, so again, what had happened was is the original singer, called, you know, got a cold kid, come in. And it sounds like Nick in accounting, or actually Chuck in accounting. His name is Chuck Hayworth. Say, so, yeah, I can do it. How yeah. hard could it be? Right. right? Some, some overly confident guy. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I sang in Glee Club. At South Bend. I sing <laughs> along every time. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, All right, here, here it is. Oh, wait. Uh, 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 oh. There we go. By the dawn's early <laughs> light, who's... Right. Let me hear <laughs> Did he just swear? Please. The sobriety beaming and the He clearly can't remember the words. <laughs> the perilous <laughs> He's 
Not even. For the ramparts we were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets blare, the bombs bursting in air gave fruit through the night. Is it food? That our flag night, that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet play O'er the land of the free And the home of the brave And people are clapping, which I thought was nice. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, That's bad. His name is Chuck Hayworth, and he explained later, he apologized later on social media, and this was his explanation. Yeah. He developed cramps from getting overheated just before starting, and you saw what happened. That's <laughs> what his apology was on yeah, social media. Yeah, and the cramps cause you to forget the words <laughs> right, right. of the song, because that was pathetic. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna give him, cut him some slack, because it wasn't really his gig, you know? But think about... Think about the pressure of singing that song, and think about how well you really know the yeah. lyrics. Well, I, I, I mean, I think I know the lyrics, yeah. but I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I could do it myself. Either. I tried it uh, before you came here because you sent me this link, and I tried it just to see if I could do it. Around the third or fourth yeah, line, I'm like, like, yeah, is it red hmm. player? Is it yeah? Right, you know, right. It's because, much harder than it sounds, right? And it's not an easy song to sing to in the first no. place. So, way to uh, go, Chuck. All right, Chuck. Well, I have something here that requires a jingle. Let's play it. What's wrong with you, Florida? All right. This is a story about uh, something that happened in Punta Gorda, Florida. Um, wildlife officials. Hang on a second. I've got to move this out of the way. I'm having some, uh, some issues today. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, wildlife officials are now investigating after a woman pulled an alligator out of her pants. During a traffic stop in Florida, according to the Charlotte County's Sheriff's Office, the bizarre gator smuggling case <laughs> came to light after deputies asked the woman, who had not been publicly identified, a standard law enforcement question, which is, do you have anything else? Right. Well, the 25-year-old woman then pulled out a foot-long reptile <laughs> out of her yoga pants she was wearing, according to the... Yoga the, pants wouldn't... How, this, I've seen yoga pads. This uh, is what I'm going to get to here in a second. How do you? Yeah, how do you she have? also had 41 three-striped turtles in the vehicle, deputies, he said. She was riding with a 22-year-old man who deputies say rolled through a stop sign. Never roll through mm. a stop sign, boys and girls. Especially in Florida. Um, at Punta Gorda. And then they pulled him over. And, and this is their excuse. So, hey, what are you guys doing? Um, we are scavenging for frogs and snakes, <laughs> they said. <laughs> Which is your go-to excuse. <laughs> and then they said, anything else? Oh, well, I, yeah, I, got, I, got, <laughs> I got a gator in my yoga pants. <laughs> or you're just happy to see me. <clears throat> anyway, there's no, not much more to the story than that, but here's, the, here's my favorite thing. The yoga pants. Yeah, right. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, I'm, And you know how I feel about yoga pants? I'm a big You're fan. You're a fan. You're a big fan of yoga pants. Who invented yoga pants, Dave? I believe you said God. 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 Yeah. Okay. God invented yoga pants. They and, are. And he's making a fortune out of them too. Because and, and I saying. think they should never go out of style. I think they should that women should wear them forever. And I tip my cap to the inventor of yoga pants, the Almighty. Exactly. The Almighty. Hey, you know what would be great, Rick? What? 
uh, if our listeners tell all of their friends and all of their friends to subscribe yeah. to our show. Would that not be nice? That would be very nice. That would be nice. We, and also to tell everybody about the great shows on the Radio Misfits podcast. Next. I mean, we're just, they're like growing like trees. I mean, we're getting one. Well, you know, uh, our old buddy Mark Vernon Mark has Vernon, a show. The, uh, was he the dreamy? The, dream. the tall dream. The tall yeah, dream. We worked sure. with uh, Mark Vernon back in uh, WPGU Radio in Champaign. He's now part of the Radio Misfits podcast network. Uh, he does a show called The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. What's it about? <laughs> I think it's about cars. Uh, apparently, he and Lou Constable, true lifelong car guys, have motor oil in their veins. They'll cover everything from what's going on in the auto industry to cars they've seen running errands. If it has tires, an engine, and a steering wheel, these Mark's guys gonna talk about it. are going to talk about it. And so I, it's called The Car Guy Report, if you want to check it and out. And is it out yet, or it's coming soon, right? No, or I think it? it's out. Oh, is it out? Yeah, I think it's okay. out. It's uh, Yes, it is out. So that's a, an Opie show, and there's a lot of great Opie shows there on are. Radio Misfits, and just 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 go to RadioMisfits.com. And you subscribe, it you check it subscribe. out. Hey, I got another story. All right, uh, this comes out of Louisiana, which is just down the street from Florida. It is. Um, does it involve gators? It does. It does. It does. <laughs> okay. Involve gators. This comes out of the university University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Warns students to avoid mating alligators on campus. No mating? Mating. 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 Not meeting. Mating. No, avoid mating. Which means, you know. Exactly. Students at the University of Louisiana are being advised to steer clear of alligators on campus. Just like Illinois. Sure. This is just at the U of I. During mating season, Cypress Lake, which is a small swamp on the university's uh, campus, is home to many native species, species of turtles, fish, birds, alligators. And they're saying, hey, Around April, around April, May, and June, they are getting it on, yeah. and they're getting a little testy. Yeah, that's when the that's when the female alligators come out with their with their yoga pants, <laughs> right, exactly, with their gamma alpha theta rho <laughs> tattooed on their butts, right? Gators, uh, you know. And I I think part of the thing, you know, you should let the mating. You know, alligators don't have it easy. College alligators aren't having it easy. Yeah, sure. Because they can't go on Tinder. They can't swipe. They don't have any little their hand. Their oh, arms shit. are too short for for for. <laughs> That's good for Tinder. <laughs> you know, when we were kids, we didn't yeah. have Tinder. Yeah, right. and alligators could get into the bars <laughs> before they turned twenty-one. On oh, well, champagne, it was like sixteen. I, I think mean, you were come able on. to get in. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it, or if these gators resembled my college experience, they would just be. Hanging out with male gators right. in, a, in a crappy dorm room. <laughs> in the corners somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right, getting exactly. high. Right. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't get it why we, we can't get any girl alligators. <laughs> right, right. It's because you're in your apartment, you <laughs> right, dumbass. Right, right. And yeah, you're watching the Atlanta Braves on TBS. You know, Hawaii 5-0 is not going <laughs> to attract any women. Uh, yes, that is so true. So there you go. If you're... Uh, if you're a listener and you're at the University of Louisiana, stay away from Cypress uh, Lake. Okay. Especially yeah. now. Time for our uh, next feature. Time now for a collection of Cub Geekness. This is Just One Bad Century. With Rick and Dave. So we already mentioned the book, Every Cub Ever, uh, you know, which is available at EckhartsPress.com and also at EveryCubEver.com. Uh, I also want to talk about the fact that... Um, Carl Giamarisi is going to be on our show. Hey, he has a Cub song out called the Chicago Cub Family Song, which you can go find if you'd like. Uh, written by him and uh, Kenjamin Franklin, Liz Chidester, and Joe Vitale. 
who was part of the Eagles for a while. Oh. I mean, it's actually a pretty good song if you if you like that. Um, but I want to talk to you, Dave. I, I, my favorite thing is getting the obscure Cubs. Mm-hmm. That's what every Cub ever is all about. It's about every Cub ever. We really hope it's every Cub ever. Do you want to know uh, about Josh Riley? Do you ever heard of Josh? Mm, no. Josh was uh, on the Cubs, which were known as the Colts at the time, uh, in 1896. And when he arrived in Chicago from San Francisco, the Sporting News provided a little background information. Uh, he was a 27-year-old rookie, and this is what they said. Uh, he had previously been traded for a horse <laughs> when he played in California. <laughs> <laughs> and in his first big league game, he started a triple play. So he, he the did, first big game, okay. big league game with so the he Cubs. Was, he was in the infield, or I mean, he was not the guy who. Yes, yes, did it. Okay, right. He started a triple play, so that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for him, yeah. After eight games, he contracted typhoid <laughs> fever, <laughs> and just like that, his big league career. <laughs> Was over. What did he die? Uh, actually, he lived forty more years. All right, well, uh, so, so it's know. not that. It's a... And he had a heck of a mustache. Sure. If you ever see a picture of him, heck of a mustache, and was once traded for a horse. Well, what happened to the horse? Do you know? Yeah, the horse uh, hit forty homers one year <laughs> right. for the San Francisco. And starred Seals. in a little show yeah. called Mister Ed. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's keep going here. No, a random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. All right, this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity, and I have to tell the story of having met that celebrity. I think this is a bonus pack here. 1984. I think it says 1984. Democratic primaries. Is that here? Look at this. Is that what that says? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it says. Uh, all right. So I put that in there because I don't really have a specific celebrity story associated with this, except <laughs> the whole thing is kind of a celebrity story. Uh, let me explain. Yeah. In 1984, we we're in college, mm-hmm. you and I, and we with were Mark Vernon. Right. Right. right the uh, car guy report right. guy. Um, and we were. Uh, doing a radio show. So part of the radio station was our news department. And we had a pretty big news department mm-hmm. at that time, including Dane Placco, former mm-hmm. guest on the show, mm-hmm. and, and several Drew Griffin, CNN. CNN, right? right. Kathy Voltmer right. was a, a news person. And our friend Kim Strickland, who's an author for Eckhart's Press. Jay Schatz, who went on Jay to Schatz. JTV. Wow. Yeah, they mentioned it. There are yeah. quite a few. Right. <laughs> Bruce all, Malter, all, yeah, who in, yeah. introduced us to Tom Ricketts. All more successful than us. Good yeah. for you guys. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but anyway, um, they all went up to cover the Democratic Convention for the radio yeah. station, and I had a car. <laughs> my the duster the 71 duster <laughs> yeah. and so i said well i'll take a couple of you guys up there if it means i can come hang out sure. at the, and so i did i drove them all up there and then i went from hotel to hotel at the parties you know okay. to cover you know like let's say gary hart's campaign was here right. walter mondale was here i forget who the other candidates were but you know there this was still early on in the primaries and these and the primaries were still going strong and they well, had Illinois, not. Yeah. Illinois is in the middle of the. It's right. the middle, so we didn't know the dominant right. yet, right? Yeah, and and uh, and I would go visit my friends who I had driven around in my 1971 duster. But here's the thing: 
I discovered that there would be TV cameras at all of these things. And I thought it would be fun to get on every station by walking behind, you know, because this is what journalists do. <laughs> so I called my mom and dad and I said, hey, check out Channel 2. I'll be on in a second. And, you know, they hadn't seen me in months because I was in right. Champagne. And so I'd walk by and I'd be like, you know, waving, waving to the camera. And I was on Channel 2, 5, 7, 9, and 32. Yeah. And uh, each of those stations, I would call them in advance and say that I was going to be on. Did, did your mom <clears> say <throat> something like, you should be eating? No. <laughs> here's the thing that I hadn't considered, right? Uh, a few weeks before the primaries, I had gone to spring break in Daytona Beach with my buddies. Okay. I didn't technically tell my parents I was okay. going right. to that. Sure. Uh, and I was bronze. I had a total, I was. I had a dark tan in fact i think i might have asked my parents if it was okay if i went and they said no under no circumstances no. will you go so. yeah and i might have driven the 71 duster down there with a car full of ne'er-do-wells oh, yeah sure <clears throat> so on each channel they saw me and i wasn't even thinking yeah. about this and uh, the last time my mom said hey why are you so tan <laughs> the, the, the tv cameras add <laughs> And 15 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, so, well, there you go. We'll that see. is my 1984 Democratic Convention story. And by the way, I think Gary Hart won Illinois that year. Mm -hmm. Walter Mondale won uh, the nomination. And, and I believe some you, other guy won the election. And I believe me and you were the only two that voted for <laughs> Mondale in 1980. It's almost embarrassing to admit, isn't it? Yeah. That was the first presidential election I ever voted yeah, in. Yeah. I voted for Walter Mondale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not our finest. <sighs> All right, let's bring on our celebrity guest because this is a big one, a real rock star. Let's play the jingle and bring him aboard. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, joining us on the show. We're very excited about this. A, a genuine rock star, Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, a original member continuing to be part of the very successful band, the Buckinghams. Let me just uh, set the stage uh, before we bring Carl on. In 1967, the year that Sgt. Pepper came out, the Buckinghams were named by Billboard magazine as the most listened to band in America. John and Paul, you can suck it, right? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. They were kind of like the predecessors of that horn rock sound, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, et cetera. But really, the Buckinghams came first, didn't they? Yes, we did. You know, we, we weren't... Uh, anyway, let me just say, uh, thanks yeah. for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Sure. It. It's our pleasure. It's, it's great. It's always a pleasure. But, um, yeah, you know, we, we didn't realize what we were creating when we came up with uh, the horn sound. It, you know, I mean, actually, it was our producer uh, at the time, uh, Dan Bellock, uh, who was producing us. And, and Dan also owned uh, a dance place in Chicago called the Holiday Ballroom that we used to frequent the lot and we'd, we'd play there every friday night you know but uh, but it was his idea to because we were basically a cover band at that point we were just uh you know we had finally had the opportunity to go into the studio and we were just 
recording songs that we had in our live show and we weren't a horn band and he said uh why don't we put horns to these songs give it dress it up a little bit and and uh, dan bellock had a big band uh with horns and we used some of his players you know on the tracks now you know so the, that, the that, one of the horn started. guys that uh, i don't know if you know this you, you probably do uh, frank tosinski one of the guys that was uh yeah. one of the horn guy he is married to Catherine johns who was part of the uh, john landecker yes. show Yes, I know that, yeah. and I knew that, and uh, Frank was a great guy, and uh, Catherine, too, and, and uh, knew, knew her uh, back in, the, you know, it's been sure. years. I, last time I talked to Frank was, uh, well, we went back and forth on emails not too long ago, but I hadn't really talked to him for a, a bunch of years now. But, uh, you know, when when uh, Belloc uh, got him to write the charts for uh, our songs, yeah. especially Kind of a Drag, he being a trombone player, kind of wrote the charts to be tr trombone heavy you know, right that that sound you know and that's that's basically it's it's trombone driven and uh if you, if you listen to chicago that's basically what their sound is is like because our producer who the, the person who became our producer after kind of a drag uh, jim gercio went on to manage and produce chicago and uh he sort of it was a kind of a continuation on another level of that sound yeah and and they also obviously are are a Chicago band. Now you guys, oh, yeah. you guys were a Chicago band. You're, mm -hmm. you were kids though, weren't you? Were like, how old were you when you started getting those hits? Well, uh, you know, kind of a drag uh, came out in '66, so I was, uh, I think I was 18. Wow, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine wow. kind, so, of, kind uh, of a drag. Hey, baby, don't you care? I mean, these are huge. Yeah. These are gigantic hits. And you're not even 20 years old yet. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, I mean, it all it, it just happened so fast, too. And we were we were just, uh, you know, it was incredible because we were, uh, you know, a local band in Chicago. And we, we were had a pretty good following here. You know, we had been yeah. playing all the teen clubs and dances around Chicago uh, for for a while. And, uh, you know, then we landed. uh we landed a, a TV show, uh, all time hits, uh, a variety show on WGN, you know, it was a 13 week show, and, but you know, being that it was a superstation WGN, it, it, it got us a lot of exposure around and, the country. And, but, and there were only five stations at the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, exposure led to a recording contract with USA records. Uh, we, we, uh, which is a Chicago, based record label and so we started recording with them and um, looking for an original song when uh, our manager at the time Carl Bonafetti uh, uh, knew this guy Jim Holvey who played in another band called the mob Chicago oh yeah sure group. they were a big yeah, band and here they were they were big they used to play um, uh, they used to play Vegas a lot actually mm -hmm. they were more of that type of show band and so anyway uh, Jim Holvey gave us uh, the song kind of a drag you know he says hey uh, here's here's a great song for the guys and Bonafetti recorded it on a reel the reel tape with him just strumming the guitar and gave it to us and we took it into rehearsal and worked it up and uh, the next thing you know we we're in the studio recording it and put the horns on it and uh when when usa finally released it uh it really took off for us now you uh number one you became the buckinghams 
uh, after you signed the the label with the label, right? Or or were you already known no, as the Buckinghams? We, we were already the Buckinghams. Okay. You know, we we were um, when we won the audition. A lot of bands auditioned for that TV show, right. Time Hits. We were still the Pulsations. Okay, that's a cool <laughs> Great name. Great name, huh? <laughs> yeah. the Pulsations. And uh, sounds anyway, dirty. So, yeah. Well, maybe that's why they made us change. Right, <laughs> maybe. But the, but the other thing too was WGN. Um, well, the, the station was pretty straight laced at the time. And right. They, but they they wanted to capitalize on the British invasion mm-hmm. too. Makes sense. And uh, so they came up with. Uh, actually, we, we became friends with a, a guy who was a security guard who worked for the station. Uh, his name was John O'Pager. John came up with, "Hey, why don't you call it the Buckinghams?" And oh, we wow. thought, "Wow, that's that's a cool name." Like, we couldn't believe there wasn't some British group. Yeah. Part of the British invasion that was already using it, you know. So we started doing the TV show as the Buckinghams. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, and then then we got the record. So record it had nothing to do with that. the fountain? No, yeah. not really. That's no, funny. It, 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 it didn't... Um, I mean, we, we knew there was Buckingham Fountain and sure. everything. And as a matter of fact, a, a, a quick, I'll insert this little story. When we uh, when they were going to release the Kind of a Drag album on USA, um, uh, they, they kept telling us, you guys better come up with a cover picture or something, cover design. Otherwise, we're going to just put a black cover up with your name <laughs> yeah. on it, you know, and uh, come up with something, you know. Make it snappy. So, <laughs> yeah. So we got this brilliant idea. One of our friends uh, had one of the first uh, Polaroid cameras. And we said, let's go down the Buckingham Fountain. Yeah, sure. And we'll take a picture in front of the fountain, and we'll use that. You know, yeah. okay, we'll do that. So we get down there, we do it. You know, okay, it looked pretty good. Well, by the time they blew it up the size of the album, it was so grainy. Yeah, and, those, and so those Polaroids, was, right? Yeah. Oh my God! You know, there was just not like the digital world. You know, it, right. it was just, it was just a. You know, it, all you see behind us is is a bunch of lights. And uh, you you can't really tell it's the fountain, and yeah. we looked kind of grainy too. But you know, it's something about it. It was kind of cool looking too. Yeah. At the same time, you know, it was like uh, just a, a a really cool looking uh, picture. So that's what they used, and it was Buckingham Fountain behind us. But like I said, you couldn't tell what what that was back there. Just some lights, you know. So that was uh, as close as we came to identifying with. Uh, the fountain you know so this all was happening just a year or two out of high school right so you're basically oh yeah so yeah and you're a lane tech grad right are you from lane tech right, right? lane tech you're talking to one buddy you're talking to another oh, yeah. lane tech grad um Great. were you what there year you, I, what year did you graduate uh i was 1981 uh and oh, the way after me <laughs> yeah a little bit but but the front of my freshman year we had to swim naked. Were you there for the naked swimming years? Yes. Is yeah. It kind of a drag, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. You know. <laughs> what a sick it, it was, thing that was. Yeah, I like, mean, people don't even believe that that really happened, yeah. but they did it for years. Yeah. Why did they? I don't know. Yeah. What was that all about? Yeah. I, I think you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to know either. That was know, before the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too era. <laughs> exactly. There might have been uh, yeah. some creepy coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, wanted, yeah, let's talk about because we were, Dave and I were just looking at some of your videos before we started here. And you guys were on the Ed Sullivan show. Right. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. What was that? Was... Tell us the story of that, because that sounds like an interesting thing. He was pretty big, I hear. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, to, to begin with, we didn't have a lot going on as far as uh, media, things that you could do back then. We didn't right. have YouTube and you know and social media or anything and so the big thing was uh to to get invited on one of the tv shows you know one of the varieties of shows which just to back up a little bit we before ed sullivan i mean <clears throat> we did we appeared on uh, uh the joey bishop show jerry wow. lewis american bandstand um cool you know you'd record a new song and and if you were lucky you'd be invited to, to play your new record on, on one of those shows. You but know? you didn't really play them, right? It was, you, it was you, all lip sync. You right? faked and, it. Right? Yeah, well, it mostly was. Yeah. Ed Sullivan, uh, by the time we got there, they were all lip sync except for Ed Sullivan. We sang live. Oh, okay. And uh, the track was, you know, we had a track that we sang to. But this, the singing part was live, you know, and that's that's how they did it. And uh, I think they even did some of the bands did actually play live. The Beatles played live when they right. were at Sullivan. And uh, but anyway, so you know, it was like the, I think it was the beginning of 1968 when we were invited on uh, Ed Sullivan, and we were just blown away because you know that was the epitome of success oh God, uh, yeah. back then. And uh, so we went to New York, and uh, and I, I was kind of blown away that the Ed Sullivan Theater was as small as it was. Yeah. I expected it to be much larger, you know, and it wasn't really. And uh, but still, I mean, there you were with Ed Sullivan and. Uh, uh, and plate you know. spinners and acrobats <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, you and, know, and a yeah, roller skating right. monkey or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, actually, my, my partner, Nick Fortuna, does a great impression of, of Ed Sullivan when we do our show. Oh, really? Our show. <laughs> you know, it's, he talks about, uh, what was it, Chojo Bijo or whatever. <laughs> Topo Gigio. Yeah, whatever. It was, uh, you know, he's, he's, really got, big he's got it down. He does a really good Ed Sullivan. But, uh, but we, uh, you know, we did... Uh, uh, Susan, the song, our song Susan yeah. debuted on Ed Sullivan. We just listened and, to it a few uh, minutes ago. Yeah, we were just looking at it a yeah. few minutes ago on YouTube. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, that, that, it was a big deal. I mean, it was uh, really exciting because that was, you You feel like you, you felt like you really made it when you were uh, on Ed Sullivan. You know, that was, that was it. It was uh, the biggie, you know. Uh, right around that time, you I'm sure you remember this, uh, November of 1967, I have a buddy in Kansas City who went to Shawnee Mission South High School, and you had a little band called The Who open for you. Isn't that, uh, isn't that what happened back in November of 67? Yeah, yeah. Well, we did a couple dates. We were in Kansas City, too, with, with uh, The Who, and wow. uh, those guys were crazy. I, I remember... Um, you know, uh, they, they weren't they weren't a super group, yet. right? Can't you explain. Know, were, I think was just coming out, and they yeah they weren't that popular in America yet. I, I think my that. my generation was out, and yeah. uh, they were just starting to get things going, and and uh, and Keith Moon was uh, absolutely insane, you know. And, <laughs> and I remember uh, we we uh, they even opened for us right right one yeah. show and. Uh, our equipment they destroyed every those were the days when they break everything and, and we almost couldn't we had to patch things together to go on i mean it was just uh and then we we were visiting a radio station in kansas city and we 
we brought Keith Moon with us. Oh, you know, wow. come on, you come to the station. I or know, he comes up there, and they were giving away <clears throat> as a prize uh, a sitar. Oh wow! And, uh, he somehow managed to break <laughs> half the strings, and, and I remember the program director saying, "I hate that girl. We're never going to play another group." Yeah, right. Yeah. And and then they became, you know, a super group after that. He had no choice, you know, and with Tommy and everything going on, and and uh, uh, but but they were, you know, they they were really party, uh, you know. And that's why it was. Uh, Mostly, you know, Roger Daltrey and uh, was 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 a lot more laid back. He wasn't. It was mostly Keith Moon that was pretty nuts. I I remember we were in a hotel in New York, and and Keith Moon was staying. This is uh, Nick Fortuna. Nick and Keith became pretty good friends, and he called Nick uh, one night late at night, and he says. Go to your window. Go look out the window, mate. Go to the yeah, window. Yeah, right. You know, and so he, he goes to the window and zoom past the window a television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was like he threw a TV out the window. Yeah. I mean, what the craziness yeah, right. of that? What if somebody had right. been walking by? He would have I know him. exactly. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, it's just nuts. Well, you you hear also stories of him throwing a stick of dynamite in a toilet it, somewhere and blowing up half the plumbing in a hotel yeah. or whatever, or oh, driving yeah. a car in a in a swimming pool or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's crazy. No, he's not coming well, to my house. <laughs> L.A. was, yeah, those were the days we we spent a lot of time in L.A. too. Sunset Strip was just uh, insane. You know, it was just, uh, you know, we we rented a house up on uh, in Hollywood Hills on Mulholland Drive for a few months when we were doing some recording and some teen magazine stuff. And, and uh, did you ever meet ever. Elvis? When you were uh, out there? No, I wish uh, I did, but yeah. no, never okay. did, never did. Uh, met uh, Lennon and McCartney briefly. Really? Um, yeah, and uh, oh, I'd love to hear and, that story. Where did you meet and, those guys? Well, that was in New York. It was just in a hotel briefly. They they were in New York. I think they did the Tonight Show. They were they were in uh, made an appearance. Just just uh, Paul and and John, you know, right? Were. Um, on there and we just were introduced and said hello you know and 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 john lennon was you know years later uh, around 72 and me and dennis tufano had a duo tufano right. and g marisi we did a our first album with uh the great producer of uh, lou adler you know yeah sure and and uh so so lennon was staying at lou's house and Lou had a Christmas party and we were invited and we were there and Lennon had commented, uh, to us. Uh, he really liked our version of, uh, uh, a, a we did a cover of I'm a loser. Oh, oh yes. That um, is excellent. That is excellent. And, uh, yeah, thanks. And, uh, so he seemed to enjoy that, that version of it. And that was, I that actually was, like it better than the B and this is like, uh, a sacrilege to say this and i'm a beatles fanatic if you were in my office yeah, right now too. you'd see i've got beatles stuff all over the walls but mm -hmm. i think the pacing of your version is much more appropriate to the lyrics than their yes, version yes i'm glad you said that because i i totally agree uh you know when you listen to uh you know all of all the love i have won and have lost you know yeah. it's, 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 it's a really sad, a sad song yeah yeah so this this arrangement just went along the, the Beatles, the, the 
the tempo of the song and the changes, it just was a little too upbeat. For yeah, me, it's right? a little too snappy I for the saying, lyrics. I'm a loser. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I give all the credit to uh, Dennis Tufano for that because uh, – he uh that was his his baby he came up with the arrangement for it you know he says hey, you know we should do it like this and and that's what we did you know and it was uh it was really good as a matter of fact we, we had a chance of of uh possibly having a hit with that but uh lou adler was really pushing our original songs and he wanted us to have a hit with uh, an original tune and some of the radio stations we used to flip that over and because oh, it was the b-side was on the b-side of music everywhere yeah. which was a song i wrote and uh but that was uh, music everywhere it was supposed to be the single so uh, he just kind of stopped that, you know. He didn't want that right. uh, happening. So but, you know, uh, uh, Carl and I now have known each other for a very long time. Uh, when I was John yes. Landecker's producer, uh, you did uh-huh. a lot of stuff with our show, and um, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> these are not things that you put in your highlight reel. I'm guessing, <laughs> <laughs> but. but I- <laughs> I did. I give John a lot of credit. He he, he looked really good in that girl's costume. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So let me tell that you know, story briefly. I was yeah. not going to put the dress. On. Yeah. That's it. That so you're friends with Susan uh, Rakis, right, who's Susan Rakis. She's a big shot with the Girl Scouts, or she was at that time. And and Landecker wanted to help them out. And somebody, I think John himself, came up with the idea of putting on a brownie outfit and going door-to-door selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> He's such an introvert, isn't he? You know, you really yeah. got to get him out of his shell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Carl was nice enough to come along a couple of times. And I remember you once playing in a bathroom. Do you remember that somewhere? Oh, yeah. We sure. would go to people's homes, and we just broadcast live from their house. You know, he would sell cookies, and we'd walk in, yeah. and we'd just do a show in their house. And Carl yeah. came along one time, and they couldn't get the sound right. And John's like, let's go in the shower. And you guys <laughs> went in the shower and performed a song wow. inside the shower. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I remember that. I, those, <laughs> those were great times. We would do anything. Well, you, you weren't uh, naked like naked swimming, were you? No, you, <laughs> yeah. you were fully clothed, right? Yeah, yeah we kept our clothes on. <laughs> There was another time. We're going to end end the interview with this. Uh, there was another time when we invited you to uh, Union Station um, in Chicago, and we were doing a live thing there where John again was wearing his Girl Scout outfit. And you walked in, and we asked you to bring your guitar, and I handed you a piece of paper with lyrics that I had rewritten the, the song Susan about Girl Scout cookies. I handed it to you, and in one take, you did it live on the air, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, at I like eight in hoping, the morning. <laughs> I think I was hoping for a, 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 another hit. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> a Girl Scout endorsement, yeah. you know. Or... <laughs> at least sell it to a lot of Girl Scouts, you know. So we'll be playing but, that at uh, the end of the uh, at the end of this interview. You know. Yeah. So, well, that's. It was fun to do, you know. Yeah. Hey, who doesn't uh, love a good anything. Thin Mint, right? Or a good Samoa? <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Who, who doesn't like those? Uh, Gosh, I can't. I can't even. Do you, do you have the the lyrics in front of you? Uh, no, but it's like I remember it was Girl Scouts cookie selling Girl Scouts. <laughs> We've loved them since we tasted Thin Mints. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, what the rhymes with Samoa? Samoan, Samoans, right? Dipsy Doo or whatever. It's all right with you if we play it, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Why not? Go ahead, ruin my career. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this podcast has done that 15 minutes ago for you. Um, For a time after the Buckinghams broke up uh, briefly, I think 1970 for a bit, you were a jingle singer, right? You did a lot of commercial jingles. Anything we we heard of? Are you like the Michelin Man or something or Arby's or something? Well, you know, it it was right right around actually – uh, I guess it was around 1976, 77, when uh, my duo with Dennis Tufano, Tufano Jr., we broke up. You know, we were together from 70, about 71 until 76. And uh, I was back in Chicago because I had been spending a lot of time in L.A. at that time. I came back and I, and that, that was before the resurgence in the 60s music, right. which happened around 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was just trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do now, you know, yeah. let's uh, keep busy and do something. And then I luckily I had some great friends in the jingle business uh, in Chicago was a tremendous jingle mm-hmm. market for, for, you know, all the the ad agencies were here and a lot of the great jingle producers were here. And so a friend of mine, uh, Bonnie Herman, who was a great jingle singer, uh, she did so much stuff. I, I, I couldn't, you know, thousands of commercials. And. And, uh, and her husband Tom Radke was a drummer. Uh, they helped me get into the jingle business. Helped me put together a jingle reel and 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 so forth. So I started doing commercials around, like I said, '76. And for about a five-year period, I must have sang on about 350 commercials. And I, you know, I did beer commercials. I did a lot of McDonald's. I did all the um, uh, United Airlines. You know, the tags at the end of the mm-hmm. commercials where it's like fly the friendly skies wow. you know wow. did did those did you know there was just a number of kellogg's commercials and uh, yeah it, it's you know a very lucrative business and it was yeah. uh, great to do that and uh, i just was amazed at the the paychecks you know <laughs> like every, every time i see the certain color blue i kind of get all excited because that's the sag and after checks oh okay, okay. So, well, you know. well you will be receiving nothing for this podcast yeah. so don't be expecting an envelope for brick and dave uh, yeah. but you guys are still now the buckingham's reunited in 1980 is that when you were united around yeah there? we uh 1980 uh i got a call from from john garen who was the program director mm-hmm. at wls yeah uh, and they were they were uh, uh sponsoring a stage at chicago fest on the roof and uh so i um uh called uh dennis tufano and nick fortuna and marty greb who was our original bass uh keyboard player uh, to see if they wanted to get back together and, and do this reunion. And uh, um, Dennis was available, Nick was available. So the three of us, and then we got a few other players to join us, and we rehearsed for a couple weeks and went and did uh, Chicago Fest. And mm. gosh, there was about 12,000 people showed up yeah, on, on the rooftop there for that show, and it was so exciting. And, you know, you felt that there was this you know the this resurgence you felt like uh you know our audience which was still a young audience yeah. but they they were they were uh you know had expendable incomes mm-hmm. and they wanted to hear their music again and go out and see you know and that 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 was sort of the driving force behind it was the, that audience reappeared again that wanted to hear 60s music so we kept getting offers and uh by, by 
by 82, um, you know, we, we Dennis would, was living in, in L.A., and he would come into Chicago. We'd do a handful of dates in the summertime. And, but then by 82, I started getting offers from agents and to play nationally, and I thought, hey, you know, we could record a new album. But then uh, Dennis uh, decided he didn't want to do that again. He didn't want to tour. He didn't want to go out with the Buckingham. So Nick Fortuna and I decided to do it on our own, continue. And that's what we did. And uh, and you're still so doing it. <laughs> and still doing it. And there's... there's there's uh we we are we are blessed this is the resurgence which happened like i said around 82 uh till till now <clears throat> has been tremendous yeah. because uh we're, we're still going you know i mean here we are getting ready uh I, i'll be gone in two weeks as part of the happy nick and i will be part of the happy together tour and this will be the fifth time we've done the happy together tour with flo and, and starts, eddie um, yeah uh from the it's, turtles, uh, it'll be the turtles. It, it's uh, this this year's tour is is uh, you've got the cow sills opening, you've got uh, the classics four, uh, the Spooky. Buckinghams, uh, yeah, Gary Gary Puckett, um, and then Chuck Negron from uh, Three Dog Night, Amazing. and then the turtles. Wow, you know, and uh, it'll start the end of May. And uh, basically, it goes until September first. Are you doing any gigs around Chicagoland? Yeah, we're. we're uh, I know we're coming in uh, in August uh, to play the Paramount Theater in in Aurora, oh. and that's. Um, uh, I'm just looking to see what the date is. Uh, I'm I, like I see August fourth is in Milwaukee at the State Fair. Oh, great! But uh, but but I know I know we're playing uh, here August sixteenth. We're at the Paramount Theater. In, in Aurora, cool, and uh, and I don't think we're anywhere else close. But you know, we're playing a lot of beautiful, great venues. Uh, the tour, you know, attracts a lot of really good. You know, we'll be uh, mostly on the East Coast in June, and uh, and Florida, and um, and then and then we go. I think we have a one week break, and then July 9th we start uh, playing all over the West Coast. Cool, and. Uh, you know, and then we come back into the Midwest in August, and uh, so we're we're all over the place. I mean, if if uh, anybody out there wants to see the full schedule, well, you can just Google Happy Together Tour mm-hmm. 2019 or the Buckinghams.com. Our our website uh, has the schedule on there, and um, so you know. Well, but, uh, we'll thank you very much for this. I mean, we're, you know. This has been fantastic. We'll definitely come out and check you out in August. Uh, yeah. I've obviously seen the band many times. Uh, we played Land Echo and the Legends open for you guys uh, several times over the years. but Just like the Who opened for you. <laughs> right, exactly. Very similar. <laughs> very similar situation. your guitars and everything. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, you are a gentleman for coming on the show. Yeah, really and and we uh, wish well, you nothing but the best. Listen, guys, thank you very much for having me on and, and rick it's, it's been a while but yes. uh you know those were the those were good good times you know they i still were. remember uh doing you know john landecker and his show and just you know it was, it was just great you want to do a uh, vocal introduction of your song girl scouts and we'll end it with that <laughs> <laughs> sure. right here we go yeah. uh, carl g Marucci, take one you're supposed to go. And now, ladies oh. and gentlemen, <laughs> here is the song. Pretend, right. pretend you're Landecker right. on the W. Carl Jim Rusey, take two.
Girl Scouts. <laughs> uh, there you go. I have no idea. What they're talking about. <laughs> Come on, help me out. Here. <laughs> All right, thanks. We'll just play the song. How about that? We'll send you the link. We'll send you yeah, the link. You still got the recording. Yeah, that's right. right. Play it. <laughs> thanks very much, Carl. Take it easy. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. Much help. Rockstar. Wait, let's play the song. Girl Scouts is selling cookies. They're the Girl Scouts. We've loved them since. We've tasted thin mints. Girl Scouts. They're cookie selling Girl Scouts. Just give them your cash. A badge for their sash. Whatever cookies you want to buy, they will supply. Let's try some tag-alongs, try some dozy doughs, shell and cream some more. Hey, that's not bad. <laughs> Girl Scouts selling cookies. Whoa, Girl Scouts selling How about that? Yeah, and uh, take one. Right, and it was eight in the morning. He probably hadn't had a cup of coffee yet. And was in, able to... in the middle of Union Station with you know hundreds of people around and thousands of people listening on the radio. That's a pro's pro right there. And thank you for coming on our show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Carl. All right, uh, if you'd like to find out more about Rick and Dave, uh, you can check us out at EckhartsPress.com. We are also at ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. Those are the companies that we own. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to email us, MinutiaMenPodcast at gmail.com. We get so many emails, so they may not go through. <laughs> Mailbox might be full. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with OpiShows.com. Opie, by the way, uh, is elephant spelled backwards? No, it's it? hippo. Ah, it's hippo spelled okay. backwards. O p p i h shows dot com. We're distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Man. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes. And at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my co host, Lou Costable, each week for the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, the podcast where two regular car guys talk about what else? Cars. We'll tell you about what we've seen on the roads, what's happening in the industry, and share some great stories about our experiences in the automotive world over the past several decades. We guarantee it'll be fun, informative, and entertaining. It's the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>